How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, mm, it mm, is mm. your favorite night of the week. It's our favorite night of the week. It's Tuesday. We are here live in the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode number 64 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. If you would, please take just a second. Share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups, and you can also click on the little button that will give you a reminder every time we go live so you never miss an episode of How About That Cigar Live. You can also do the same if you're watching on YouTube. Feel free tonight to follow along. You can join in with comments and questions along the way, and we want to tell you about this week's Drew Estate's announcement of the latest addition to the Deadwood lineup called Leather Rose. It is shipping to all retailers nationwide, uniting with her sisters Sweet Jane, Fat Bottom Betty, and Crazy Alice. The spicy Leather Rose is the boldest lady of the bunch. This 5x54 torpedo features a rich Maduro wrapper and proves to be the spiciest of the Deadwood family. Lighting up the Leather Rose will fill the room with her exotic aroma, plus the effortless draw will leave you longing for more. The Deadwood Leather Rose is a 5x54 torpedo packaged in 24-count boxes and will be shipping in July. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. like we said, episode 64, Mm -hmm. we're grateful you're here with us, Mm -hmm. and we're excited because, Garrett, I got some really good news today. You did. I did. I got some great news, and I posted it on Facebook for some of you who might have seen it. I'm going to be rich, apparently. (gasps) You are? Because I got an email today from Warren Buffett. You did. I got an email from Warren Buffett. He's going to send me a check for $1.9 million. So, I mean. Well, the, hey, congrats, so man. So, the, the show's all yours. And awesome. I'll see, I'll see you guys later. Well, thanks, you know, man. I'm good. Because, and, and it's weird, though, because Warren Buffett, you know, he's, he's, you know, this industry titan of finance. And I would expect him to be a better speller. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there are a lot of misspellings in that email. So, oh, but well, I'm uh, either way. Okay. You know, screw you all. I'm yeah. gonna be rich. So yeah, whatever. You do you. So, um, so I got that going for me, which, which is, is nice. Which is nice. Uh, so, sports news. We actually, you know, sometimes we talk about sports. Lately, there have been no sports, but we're excited. Things are happening. One of the things that's happening that I am most excited about. Garrett is very excited about as well. Baseball is happening. Boom. Major League Baseball, we're going to have a season. We're going to have a short 60-game season. That's the way things look right now. The MLB, it's possible things could change, but right now we're looking at a 60-game season that's going to start in July, which if you're following along with your calendars, July is tomorrow. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to have a 60-game season that starts tomorrow. Keep following, following along if you're a baseball fan. You know, get on MLB.com, follow what's going on, because I'm, I guarantee you with everything still going on with COVID, schedules are subject to change. Um, but if you're able to, depending on, you know, teams in your area, if you're able to get out there and see a live game, go and do it. Because live baseball is, you know, there's just there's there's something really great about being able to go and see a live baseball game. So mm-hmm. get out there and participate. And there was a little bit of football news. Ooh. Uh, apparently there was this fella named Fig Newton. Fig Newton. Oh wait, no. Fig, Cam, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. And he, he's going to be he's going to be playing for uh there's a oh there's an East Coast team. 
Um, they're not very good, so hopefully they, it's uh, yeah, they're like you know they're an up and coming team, but you know they've struggled in the past. What are they the 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 mm. Americans? Yep, something like that. The Minutemen. The Minutemen. The Minutemen. So the Boston Minutemen. Yep. Uh, are going to have Cam Newton be their uh, their their new quarterback. So you know, best of luck to them. Uh, you know, maybe they can turn their, that franchise into something. I guess that would be you know that would be kind of cool. So uh, you know, follow along. NFL season's coming up. I actually have already bought tickets to an NFL game. My brothers and I are going to go to a game in uh, right before Thanksgiving. So excited for that. Uh, and uh, again, guys, we're live. Share us out. Leave comments and questions along the way. Let us know what you're smoking. Let us know what you're smoking while you're mm-hmm. joining in. Uh, tell us what you're smoking. Tell us what you're, you're drinking. drinking. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to bring on our special guest. Who might have something Who to say. Who might have something to say. And as always, guys, our special guest is brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. They are the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, cubidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borshewitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. For more information on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSunGrown.com. So, guys, please, if you would, put your hands together. Welcome our guest to episode number 64 from Christoph Cigars, Jared Trudeau. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Man, welcome. Yeah, welcome. We're so glad to have you on the show. It's a, it's an exciting time right now. There's a lot of good stuff going on. You know, we're everybody's still being cautious with, with coronavirus. I get that completely, but it's cool that stuff's starting to open mm-hmm. up a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, you know, we can get back together sometimes with some of our friends and family and enjoy some cigars, enjoy some company. So, uh, Jared, tell us where you're broadcasting from tonight and what you are smoking and drinking along with us. I'm home. Uh, I'm home. I live in Dallas, Texas. Um, and I am smoking. This is actually the least premium cigar that we make. This is a mixed filler, uh, premium selection bundle Corona. Um, and we don't make the Coronas anymore. Uh, so these are pretty old. I think they're three or four years, but I always have them send me a couple bundles whenever I order cigars. Cause I like it. It's like a nice mild mixed filler burns quick, lasts me a half hour, 45 minutes. So, uh, that's what I'm smoking. I'm just drinking water. I kind of tied one on last night. So I'm trying to get my <laughs> shit together here. Sometimes you got to rehydrate. Absolutely. That's my plan. Well, and uh, so, Jared, before we got live, we were talking a little sports stuff. You heard our intro. What What are your thoughts and feelings about uh, the Cam Newton situation for the Boston Minutemen? Uh, I like I like Cam Newton. Um, he first first and foremost, he's a cigar guy, which I like a lot. He is, um, yeah. and I didn't think. I never thought that would be germane to my football experience, but it is uh, now, and I, I'm happy about that. Um, so I don't think Tom Brady has looked at tobacco in his whole life. So um, I think uh, I think that's good, and that's a positive thing. And then um, I think I mean Cam Newton was an MB, MVP in 2015. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a talented 
player. Uh, he's a he's a talented uh, football player for sure, and he's gives us an opportunity to see if the system that has made the Patriots so successful over the last almost 20 years, he gives us an opportunity to see if that system can accommodate a more mobile quarterback, uh, less of a pure pocket passer. So I'm interested. And the thing that I like most about Cam Newton, even uh, on the side, like independently, even when Tom Brady was here and stuff before he played for the Patriots, is people always talk about him being you know, immature, having off the field issues and stuff like that. But the reality is the kid, he loves football. You yeah, know, he loves 100%. playing football. He's ha- having fun. He's yep. excited about playing the game. And it, I think it'll be a refreshing change of pace. You know, I think a lot of the reason that Patriots get, get the flack that we do is because it seems like this very like clinical approach to playing a game, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very boom, boom, boom. Nobody's having fun. Nobody's high-fiving, nothing like that. And I think Cam Cam Newton can bring a lot of levity to the situation and make football a little bit more fun to watch, even if we aren't as good, you know. Um, but Bel- as we were talking about before, like Belichick's the franchise. Uh, the ownership group is the franchise. Uh, one player is not the franchise. And I love Tom Brady for everything he did. And he was a huge part, obviously, one of the most important parts of the franchise. But I think the most important part of the team uh, is still in place. And and that's the system and Bel- Belichick and his coaching tree and everything. Yeah. Um, I think as long as that's there, we're going to be a competitive team. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be a lot of fun to to watch the season, no matter what happens. So, Well, and I, I agree with you about the fact that one of the coolest parts to see is going to be how they change their system up a little bit to work with a quarterback, like you said, who is mobile. Who, who isn't has a, been mobile. Who, yeah, who has been. Because we don't know. But he's healthy. We don't know what yeah. kind of Cam Newton is coming to New England. We really don't yet. And but he's uh, going to have a chip on his shoulder. Oh, it, 100%. You know, we, we've got we, we had Randy Moss who came in with something to prove. All yep. these players that come in with something to prove end up being, um, end up at least doing something big and something important. Like yep. even sm- smaller guys like Floyd. When yeah, he was a receiver when he played for us. He was nothing but a nightmare for any of the other teams that he played for. Right. He came in and we went to the Super Bowl, you know, and, and so it's like he he, uh, you know, the, the team players come to New England and they know what to expect. I think, mm-hmm. And they know that they're expected to change their behavior and play the way that the Patriots organization has. It but it pisses well, me off. You guys, you guys bring in Betty White and you go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's the team, man. I'm telling you, that's the that's the thing. It's that next man up. It's the Patriot way. It's it's the team. I love it. So, uh, Jared, we got a lot that we want to you know talk to you about. We want to pick your brain about a lot of stuff. But one of the first things that we we like to give our audience an idea, you know, just so they can get to know our guests a little bit better. So, paint a picture for our viewers and listeners of that first time that you sat down and fired up a premium hand-rolled cigar. And and if you if you remember what the cigar was and what the experience was like for you that first time. Um, I do. I do remember. Uh, it was before I was legally able to uh, purchase cigars. Uh, I think I was about 16. I was washing dishes in uh, at a restaurant with uh, two of my best friends, who I'm still best friends with today. Um, and uh, the the chef had cigars in his desk 
the, and so we took him. And after a long, after a long shift, or he misplaced them rather. Uh, yeah. And after, after a long shift, uh, it was like you know one or two in the morning. There was this big stack of pallets behind the restaurant, um, and it was an a- Ashton White label Churchills. Um, yeah. And uh, we went and sat on this pile of pallets and tried to smoke the cigars uh, out back with a you know a bic lighter, and we used a chef's knife to cut the cap off and everything and that was the first premium experience uh that i ever had um nice it was really it was it was really cool and then i stayed into it too like from 16 on i was always into i stayed into cigars there was always like you'd go to a bonfire and i'd always have a cigar i got from 7-eleven or something like that until yeah. i really got into it the way that you know eventually evolved. and this was boston right so texas came later yeah, yeah. I only moved to Texas a couple of years ago. I spent okay. the majority of my life in, on the East Coast. Boston, in, in Massachusetts, Rhode Island. Sure. Uh, that was my sales territory for for Christoph when I first started. It was Maine to New Jersey. So, yeah, most of my life was spent out there. Wicked. How about them apples? The whole thing. That was <laughs> Stuff yep. like that. Nobody yep. actually says, how about them apples? That's, just, that's just one movie. That's not... <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I love how the movies how the movies paint a particular picture of Boston that that most people I know from Boston say it's mostly bullshit. Yeah. 99%. Yeah. Yeah, 99. Anytime you see a movie like with like one of these guys like Ben Affleck or Matt Damon or any of these guys with Mark Wahlberg who are like, "Oh, this is the real Boston." It's like, "No, nah, it's probably not." <laughs> also, you never even And it's like, "And you also never saw the real Boston." You know, like you, you, they were from Hyannis or something, you know, like from the Cape or something like that. They never, they never stopped shooting all these things in Southie and (laughs) (laughs) no, they have no, no clue, no clue. Uh, I love it. So, um, you know, with, with Christoph Cigars, um, you know, Glenn Case, you're the founder of the company and yourself, you know, had backgrounds outside of the cigar industry you know mm-hmm. glenn was from big banking uh you were an executive in uh in the retail space and yeah. so how did you know <laughs> that that was basically a, a brand because we we do see a lot in this industry you know people who are you know generationally um you know a part of the tobacco industry you know their grandparents or their parents you know came from cuba and and those and they're fantastic stories but i think the stories of these companies built from the ground up of people who don't necessarily have that legacy of tobacco experiences i think those stories are also great and they're they're a good uh they're those stories are just as as important to the industry to have in you know sort of the mix of different types of companies and different types of people so you know how when when you came in with glenn and you guys started you know working out strategies and things like that you know using business terms how did you approach everything as far as from the process of you know this brand new company building things like retailer relationships customer relationships um and and also um developing factory relationships because obviously somebody has to make the cigars and it's got to be somebody who really knows 
the uh, you know the raw materials, the process, and all that stuff. So, kind of walk us through that process of being outside of the cigar industry and then turning that into a viable cigar company. It's 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 definitely a challenge, you know. And and to say, I definitely wouldn't say that I'm I'm, I'm that I that I'm envious of companies that you were talking about, like us, like that built from the ground up, bootstraps, you know, kind of figured it out. I would much rather have one of those legacy stories of, uh, I wish my grandfather worked at Partagas, but he, you know, damped out uh, machinery at Entwistle in Massachusetts. Like it's not like he was a machine. So it's like, I would much rather have that story. Um, so, but we, we, We've never been one of those companies that tries to like, like I, this is probably the wrong word, and this is a word that people get triggered by. But we've never tried to like appropriate <laughs> the culture of the of the like that Central and South American cigar making culture. We've never really tried to get into that uh, or or portray ourselves like that. At the end of the day, like if you go to our factory in Santiago, Dominican Republic. You know, a lot of these factories, they've got donkeys and ladies with fruit on their head painted on the walls. And we've got quality, consistency, availability written in English and Spanish, right? Like, that's what we are good at. Uh, so to, to, to answer your question, um, the challenge for us was, number one, surrounding ourselves with the people, like you said, the factory relationships and have a product that could stand on its own that we believed in. And then, two, it was building the infrastructure. Um, so Glenn, uh, Glenn met Rolando Villamil is his name. Uh, he's worked, worked with us for forever. He's been in the cigar business for over 50 years. Um, he runs our factory for us in the Dominican Republic. Rolando originally approached Glenn when Glenn was a tobacco broker in, uh, the Chicagoland market, uh, with his wife, Terry, uh, Rolando approached Glenn and asked them to sell his cigar. Um, and Glenn said, I have a better idea. Why don't I, why don't you make my cigar and we'll all sell it. And Rolando said, okay. So Glenn went to the Dominican Republic, Glenn did the first, uh, original stuff with Christoph. Um, and then that's how the relationship was born. And now to this day, barring a couple, uh, mistakes that we had made over the years, uh, every Christoph cigar is made by Rolando Villa. Right now, every cigar that you can buy from Christoph on the market is made in our factory in, in Santiago by Rolando. Um, so building that relationship was really critical in getting the, the brand off the ground. And Glenn was the VP of marketing for uh, one of the top five banks in the country. Um, and so his background is on pro new product development, marketing, things like that. What his background was not in was in sales and sales infrastructure and things like that. So uh, when Glenn and I met, uh, the idea was um, I was gonna take over a territory didn't matter where it was. And I was going to show him that an in-house sales program could work. And if an in-house sales program worked, keeping in mind, this is with all of my zero outside sales experience. Um, and it, he, and he was like, if this works, then we'll hire and train people around the country and you can manage the sales. And that was how he got me to leave my corporate world uh, where I was doing much better uh, than when I was a sales rep. Uh, and uh, it was a huge sacrifice or a huge cut, but I knew this was kind of what I wanted to do. And I knew I wouldn't be able to kind of look myself in the mirror 10 years down the road, even if I was at the same level of success or more successful, 
and not think like I wonder what it would be like if I did that cigar thing, you know. Yeah. Um. So I took over Maine to New Jersey, and then my market grew enough to pay for the next one, which paid for the next one, which paid for the next one, and now we sell millions of cigars in 33 countries all around the world. Um. So uh, the business has really changed dramatically, and I've been very fortunate that Glenn put me in a position to where I could be part of all of that. Uh. So here we are now. Uh, yeah. But, but that that challenge of of not having the story, not having the legacy, not having all that stuff. Um, that obstacle we tackled by just being good, just yeah. being the, mm-hmm. what I always tell the sales reps is but we will, I want to be the kind of person that people want to do business. with, And, and yeah. that's what we want the sales reps to be. And if we can execute that, if we have a quality, consistent and available product that turns at retail uh, and we support it within house sales reps, there's no reason why we could be successful. And, and we've kept it simple and done the right thing by our customers. And, and it's really paid off. Yeah, 100%. Well, before we get too further down this uh, road, let's let everybody know what we're smoking. Um, the Kristoff uh, Signature Series. And it's the JT. It is the Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I wish. You think I'd be on this podcast with you guys? If <laughs> that hurts. I take that part. <laughs> no, so uh, this, you know, and you got to tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, this uh, special stick before we went live. But um, before we do that, I want to know, Jared, what do you think about sous vide? <laughs> A big sous vide guy. Are you? I'm a big. I'm a big sous vide guy. Yeah. I. Uh, and this is a planted question for our audience members who are haters out there of sous vide. This is not a planted question. Garrett just asked this off the cuff. No. So. Because our uh, our resident troll did a did a Facebook commenter yeah ask yeah. me obviously no, well, who was he, it is it somebody Tim, I might know Tim Suitcamp who is know, uh, but he's a smart he's a smart man if he is the sous vide fan. No, oh, he he is not. No, he's not. He oh, said, oh, so oh, so he's somebody that forgoes science and common sense for. He said, if boiling results. if boiling steaks was a show, this is it. And he's he he trolls us. That's that's him. That's his way of showing us love. But they yeah, uh, yeah. The, there were some comments on on some other uh, threads on Facebook and this and that about uh, about sous vide and and everybody everybody it's it seems thinks that sous vide is boiling meats and <laughs> they don't. They just don't get it. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like, do they still carve when they need new tires on their car? Do they still carve them out of stone or uh, hew them out of wood? Like <laughs> it's, 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 if, if I gave you the perfect solution to a problem that everyone has, and this is the point in that comment where all of the, uh, alphas come out and say, I ain't got no problem grilling. <laughs> I am man. I have fire. I don't have any problem. My steaks are better than your steaks. This is the yeah. point where they all say that stupid shit. Yep. When in reality, you could take a, a seven-year-old and give them a piece of steak and give them a sous vide, and you could say, make a perfect steak, and they could execute. And granted, we aren't seven-year-olds, and you might like something, but the, I take, I make a perfectly cooked, edge-to-edge, medium-rare steak, and then I put it on the grill, and guess what? It's better than yours. It just is. <laughs> it's science. It's mm-hmm. just science. You're wrong. There's numbers. There's data. There's figures. There's absolutely everything in the entire world. 
pointing to science has created a perfect solution to a problem that you might not have thought you had, but you do have. <laughs> and 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 consistency is key. And uh, I can't be a, I couldn't be a bigger fan of sous vide. If you if you think you grill good chicken until you've had a piece of sous vide grilled, grilled chicken, you have not had good chicken. You just have to. You're wrong. So throw yeah. away. I'm that ambivalent. You will better. not hurt my feelings. You will not hurt my feelings. I will go back in my house and I will eat a sous vide filet mignon and I will be perfectly content <laughs> knowing that you're out there, an old man shouting at the sky, telling me how wrong I am. I am entirely ambivalent to your opinions. So um, go ahead and keep keep doing whatever it is you think is the alpha thing to do. And you can call me soft as baby shit for sous vide a steak. But at the end of the day, I'm eating a great steak that's better than yours. And I will laugh myself to the bank. I don't care. I really don't care. I'm dying over here. Oh my gosh! This oh, is the point seriously. of the show where we where we say "suck it, Tim," <laughs> and all you haters of sous vide. Oh. That was the best soapbox we've had for a long time. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Oh shit! I'm dying you're over so here. Welcome. That was fantastic. You're so you're so welcome. And it's it's <laughs> I get in the same arguments with these people that are trying to show me how masculine and virile they are standing and sweating into their family's meal. That's how masculine. And, oh my God. You're so tough. You're so tough. Lighting your fucking protein on fire. You're so tough. And I'm so soft drinking my expensive bourbon and smoking a cigar while my meal cooks perfectly behind me with no effort. Oh, what a moron I am. What a moron I am for having a perfectly prepared meal behind me while I enjoy myself and live my life. Fools. Fools. Read a book. I don't even, I don't even want to talk about cigars. I seriously don't. I just, I just, want, to, I just want to let Jared go. Just... Oh, oh, God. oh my God! It's so yeah. asinine. Oh my God! Yeah, so asinine. Oh, yeah, we're crying. And I will never get tired of drinking these internet people's tears. I will never get tired. I will drink your, I will drink your tears all day and all night. They refresh me. I love it. Just uh, you know, go scream at, uh, go tell somebody to get off your lawn or something. And it and, goes, uh, and it goes perfectly. Leave the internet. For the internet tears is oh, the perfect man. is the perfect pairing with yeah. with a with a immaculately cooked ribeye mm -hmm. from from you season it. I brine, I brine my steaks because mm -hmm. you can still do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you grill masters out there probably don't brine your meat, uh, but it's a good tool. You should Google that once you get yourself an internet machine, and uh, yeah, I brine my, with internet tears. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> internet tears. One, what's funny? This all started with, uh, I mean, just a series of things between our show and then Skip Martin was uh, also doing some sous vide stuff, and um, you know, the internet is the internet, and people yeah. were, you know, divided like uh, pineapple on pizza, and it was freaking hilarious, and. Uh, well, Skip that. is a smart. Skip is undeniably a smart man, oh, and uh, and Skip is a man who has lived his life around science and facts and things like that. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, facts don't care about people's feelings. <laughs> and uh, as passionate as you may be about sweating into your family's meal uh, for the for the love of the game, I am not. 
and I will instead do what I do. Oh, man. <sighs> All right. Okay, we were going to talk about the oh, yeah, 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 the signature cigar. series. We're talking a, about that cigar. was a hard it's segue. A that was a hard segue. <laughs> that was a hard segue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about that cigar? Uh, so, uh, Jared, you, you kind of ran through your process a little bit of this cigar pre-show, but if you could, again, enlighten our uh, listeners and viewers uh, what this process was like for you, I'd, I'd love it. So this, so uh, the JC Signature was a project that Glenn tasked me with taking on. He wanted me to get more involved with tobacco stuff um, and the tobacco side of the business instead of the infrastructure side of the business. Um, and I've obviously been really close to the product from the beginning. I spent a lot of time in the Dominican Republic and new product development, things like that, uh, tasting and, and sampling to make sure that it's something that the consumers would appreciate. Um, and Glenn really wanted me to do something on my own. It's always been curated by, you know, Glenn, who's very familiar with tobacco over the last 15 years, and Rolando, who's been in the tobacco business for 50 years. Um, and and my what I'm tasting is very often something that I had no input. You know, it's what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And I would I suggest changes? Absolutely, I'd suggest changes. But it wasn't from a place of, oh, you should take a half a leaf of this and, and okay, or the priming is too low. You got to bump up the price. It was never that. I didn't have that knowledge. I, I know about cigars uh, on a very involved way uh, to the extent that I need to, to sell them. Um, but I've never had that really immersive experience when it comes to developing the product. And so Glenn tasked me with that. And I said, I, you know, I'm going to take as long as I want and it's going to be what I want it to be. And he said, done, whatever you want, brother, like, go for it. And so uh, it took me two years from the time that Rolando literally walked into our, uh, flew in from the Dominican Republic to the trade show in Vegas uh, a few years ago with a Ziploc bag with HVA written on it in Sharpie. And he handed me it and he said, let me know if you like this tobacco. And I smoked it. I really liked it. And that was what I decided to use on my project because we didn't really have a home for it. Um, so sourcing the tobacco, smoking tons of test blends, in random sizes and trying to see what we liked and um, uh, going through the process. I mean, I even went to the Dominican Republic and met with the roller who rolls all the JTs. One guy, one pair rolls all the JTs. And I went, sat and had a conversation with him and a drink with him and talked a little bit about what was going on and sort of what his thoughts were. And so it was a really involved process. It took me two years. Um, and if it took cigar companies two years to come up with a product to commercialize, everybody would be out of business, except for a couple that I'm not going to make fun of right now, but who seem to be able to blend the cigar in, in 16. So it's, uh, it, it, it took me two years uh, before I actually saw it, and it was everything from the packaging and the label design and everything. So it was a totally immersive experience. It taught me uh, how much I really don't know or how much I really didn't know at the time. And I still don't know now, but I'm at least more comfortable with it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so now it's a, a limited uh, a limited production um, based on the quantity of tobacco that we have. And it's only sold basically to stores that I have a great personal relationship with, that I'm friends with, uh, that uh, I go and do an event. I know their customers, they know me. Um, so yeah, so it's not like a regular commercialized product or something like that. It's uh, it's uh, a much more uh, 
limited kind of focus. Yeah. If people were interested in uh, trying this, is there some place that they could get it? Yeah, uh, it depends on the market. It's in probably 20 or 30 stores right now. Um, and obviously my plan for this year, since we released it last year, um, my plan for this year was to travel and do a bunch of these events and get it in all my friends' stores. But then right. obviously the world came to an end and I have not been able to do that. So um, it's in probably tw- only 20 or 30, 30 stores right now. Uh, but t- depending on the market, uh, anybody can um, shoot me a message on Facebook. Uh, it's Christoph Jared Trudeau is, is my name spelled like that <laughs> right Spelled there like that right, and, right there yeah and uh and just send me a message and i'll tell you what the closest store is or or figure out a store that might ship it or something like that or figure out a way to help you out nice because yeah. it is tasty yeah, yeah no dude good. you you really did it man yeah it's a good cigar it is a- it's it's burning really really nicely there's mm-hmm. shit tons of smoke output yep. on every draw and it's it's got a lot of really good uh, kind of earthy, leathery kind of characteristics that it's um, and the the retrohale doesn't burn my nose. It's just it the retrohale still got you know there's spice there, but it's it's not uh, it's not a face killer. It's it's good. Yeah, so that's the thing. So I I literally made it agnostic from what I thought people would care would want, <laughs> which is a dumb way to manufacture a product. But I was like, if this is going to be my thing, this is going to be something I smoke and have in my pocket all the time. This is what I want to smoke. So a weird thing is it's where I'm on really dark. The, uh, the sun just went down on yeah, Joe, Jared. The, the sun went down. Do you have any lights back yeah. there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, let me, let me, I'll get a light. Um, but, or I'll, I'll text, I'll text my wife to turn the light on. But it's, uh, it's. I made it totally agnostic from sort of what would be commercialized because I had no plans on commercializing it. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I, I inhale my cigars, which I know is kind of weird. Um, and that thing that you're talking about where the retrohale doesn't burn is like doubly important when you both <laughs> retrohale and inhale. So I wanted to make something that was smooth, but it had a ton of flavor that was sessionable for me that I could smoke three or four of a day and not get sick of. And and I think that's what we did. Mm-hmm. One of the other cigars that, um, <clears throat> so last year on on a couple uh, uh, top twenty five lists from some guys that we really you know we follow also as cigar media, um, cigar coop and and uh, El Oso Fumar, they they had hey there we can see them, so we uh, yeah. We follow them and we we love what they're doing, and they had great things to say about the Christoph Vengeance. And yeah, it was a cigar that I hadn't tried before. And based on their both raving about the cigar, I started looking around for it. And I found it at some online retailers, but I started looking around at some local shops, and I did find it. Um, back earlier in the year at Tobacco Grove, which is a, a, a big shop on the west side oh, of the cities. Mm-hmm. And so I finally picked one up and um, I mean, they, I trust those guys, you know, that they, they have good palates, I think. And 
uh, it did not disappoint. When I tried that cigar, I was really pleased with it. And I didn't know this, but when I started doing research for our interview, I had no idea that that a cigar called Christoph Vengeance actually was one of, if not the first release with the Christoph name on it back in the day. Um, and then, um, you know, this this sort of new version of the Christoph Vengeance is is its own thing. So tell us a little bit about sort of the old version and the version that people can get their hands on today. So that was the first cigar that we ever came out with. Uh, okay. That was uh, that was 15 years ago, um, and it actually wasn't made by our people. It was made by Rocky Patel, um, and it had like a big green V. I actually have some in the house. Uh, I could, I could show you guys. Um, but it had a big green V on it. It, uh, it the label was ugly. Cigar aficionado gave it like an 84, which is like three middle fingers from them, um, <laughs> and it was. It was just, it was not good. Um, and it, the, the, the cigar was good, but the, the bringing it to market was a disaster. So um, we, that, that was under the name of the actual company. So Christoph isn't actually the name of the company. The name of the company is uh, Exclusive Cigars. Uh, and so that was the Exclusive Cigars Vengeance. Um, so we came out with the Christoph, which was our original Criollo, and it was just called the Christoph. It was just going to be a cigar. That was yeah. Um, and it's named after Glenn's son. And then that cigar totally took off with the pigtail and the uncut foot and the rough cut cedar boxes and everything. And so after that, at some point, we realized we had a shitload of these vengeances left over. And we were like, what do we do with all of these? And we're like, oh, we could sell it to like a Thompson at the time or something like that. Blow it out or JR's. And we're like, you know what? It's a good cigar. I don't want to waste it. So we changed the box, changed the band. We called it the GC Signature, and Cigar Aficionado gave it a 91 in their next edition. Exact thing. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it, it was, uh, and, and now it's still one of our best-selling Maduros. To this day. Um, so the, the original Vengeance blend still exists out there as the GC Signature. Um, okay. This new Vengeance, but the trade name was gone. And it's a predicate name and everything like that. So uh, we decided it was a good time a few years ago to bring back some of our predicate names. And so we found the Vengeance, still thought it was a decent name, and uh, found some tobacco, USA Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. Uh, we bought some Esteli Lajero from the AJ Fernandez Farms. Um, and we really wanted to do it right. We wanted to make a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. Correct, because there are so many companies that come correct with that tobacco that from Drew Estates to Pete Johnson to my father to I mean, there's so many companies that do an unbelievable job with that tobacco. So <laughs> we knew we knew we couldn't half fast it. It's also a very expensive tobacco, so we didn't want to screw it up anyways. Um, so we finally came out with a blend that we really liked with the Vengeance. And now all the sizes are in our top 10 SKUs. It's uh it's an uh, unbelievable cigar. It's done really well for us. And it's great. Like, really dark, earthy, cocoa-y. It got number two with uh, Cigar Coop, and it got number one with Bear uh, Cigar of the Year. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's it's been uh, really successful. And it, this was the first um, Connecticut Broadleaf-wrapped Christoph. Is that right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yep. First time we ever worked with that. So. 
Yeah, and that's really, you know, after, like I said, after seeing those guys rate it so highly and recommend it, um, uh, and I'm also a big fan of Connecticut Broadleaf, and, you know, it, it, it really did fall right in line with what those guys said in their tasting notes and their reviews, which is, and, and like you mentioned, it's, uh, it's, it's got tons of that great Broadleaf sweetness. That's one of the things I like a lot about Broadleaf mm-hmm. is it's got this great kind of sweetness, um, but then there's also, you know, in the blend itself, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, strength in there, but it's not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't kill you. It's, and, and I'm, I, I'm a guy who can take a lot of strength in cigars. I don't tend to, um, uh, get knocked out by a lot of cigars that even people consider to be strong, but, um, the balance on it was really good. And it's something I enjoyed a lot when I first tried it a, a couple months ago. And then I even last time I was at Tobacco Grove, uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I picked up some more and it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, you know, a, a good, um, a good home run for you guys. I think it's mm-hmm. stellar. Yeah, no, thanks. It's, uh, it's something we were really excited about and not having the opportunity to work with that tobacco before we, we were excited to get it even, uh, cause it's really hard to get and it is expensive. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad it came up the way that it did. And that's one of the things that I hear from a lot of, you know, we, we're fortunate because we can talk to a lot of people in the cigar business and yeah, Connecticut Broadleaf, at least uh, Connecticut Broadleaf that somebody would be willing to use, you know, as a wrapper grade is it's very, very difficult to come by. And because of that prices, prices go up, but this, you guys kept the price point on this cigar reasonable. It's not, this isn't an $18 cigar. No, no, it's a $10 cigar. Um, and, and it delivers a, a huge amount of value. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, a, and it's excellent too. You know, it's, it's something that you can smoke every day and not feel guilty about. So, um, yeah. And the majority of the Connecticut broadleaf tobacco gets sucked up by Swisher and a lot of these machine made companies, um, because that's what they use for fillers in their, in their tobacco so, uh, or in their machine made cigars. So they, they buy the majority of the yield. Um, and then after that, finding high enough priming stuff in a quantity uh, that is available enough for us to commercialize is challenging. So, um, yeah, and expensive. So it's definitely an interesting factor to work with. So one of the things that Garrett and I have talked about on the show before um, a few times, especially early on when we before we were interviewing guests or anything like that, we you know, when we were figuring out you know, what we wanted the show to be. And we, we just sort of talked about a lot of our own cigar experiences. And one of the things we talked about a few times is, is always that consumers should always be willing to give cigars uh, or brands a second chance um, if they have a bad experience the first time and not just write off a blend or a brand because of a bad experience. Mm-hmm. And, and full disclosure, Christoph was one of those brands for me. So back in the day, I, I want to say it was seven, maybe eight years ago. Um, I bought my first Kristoff. I was at a shop in Wisconsin and I bought a Kristoff Cristania. And okay. um, full disclosure, it was awful. The, it didn't burn. It, the flavors were acrid. It was just, it was just one of those bad smoking experiences and I didn't revisit the brand again for about a year. 
Um, and then I, I bought two or three other blends um, and enjoyed every single one of them. And then said, okay, so I got to retry this Cristania because I had a bad experience. It probably was a, just an anomaly because people sometimes they forget the fact it's a handmade product. It happens. Sometimes a bad one's going to make it through. It's understandable. So I bought after enjoying the, and I, I think our, the, the other ones I bought, I got a, a Christoph Maduro mm-hmm. and I got a Sumatra mm-hmm. and I got a Criollo. And I enjoyed all three of them. So then I went back and I bought another Cristania and it was very good. So obviously it's just one of the, and, and I've had that happen with a couple other brands mm-hmm. before. Yep. And so that's one of the things that we try to get across mm-hmm. to consumers is just because you have, you know, you're, if you, if you get a bad cigar, don't be afraid to go back and, and try that brand again. Um, and in, as far as the you know the sales piece goes and the retailer dealing with retailers and building those relationships with retailers um you know there's there's the consumer piece where you want consumers to know that they should be open to trying another brand again but there's there's probably a you know a, another layer to it when it comes to you guys uh, building relationships and managing relationships with retailers when it comes to you know, maybe they heard something, they haven't carried your product before and heard something somewhere or, you know, like we talked about earlier, the internet's going to internet and people are going to say things that, you know, they have no idea what they're talking about, which happens pretty much hourly on the internet. But, you know, how do you, how do you approach that from a, from a standpoint of uh, uh, new retailers uh, when, when maybe they, uh, maybe in the past, Christoph got a bad rap? for them um and, and I'll, t- I'll be totally honest with you most of the time when a retailer feels some sort of way about a line it has something to do with a person um <laughs> so it's an issue with the sales rep or it's an issue with uh, the office or it's an issue with uh, some sort of uh issue with a person um because you know cigars the cigar sells the cigars turn uh, if I have a sales rep coming in and calling on you, you have more support than you have from 80% of the companies out there that you're selling cigars on the shelf. Um, and and we try to do business. We trip over ourselves to try to do business with our customers. That's their, our sales rep's only jobs is to do right by the customer and make it easy for them to sell cigars. Um, and, and that's even reflected in the way that we manage the sales infrastructure. Like my sales reps, they don't do expense reports. Uh, we review their we review their Amex statement. And if we have questions about it, anything, we can call them about it. Uh, I don't need a sales rep to have an office day. Like that's not helping your customers. That's not helping anybody. Uh, yeah. Call reports are all done through our CRM program on the road, on their telephone, on their phone. They check into a shop just like you would on Facebook. And we keep track of it that way. Their phone calls are automatically logged whenever their business phone calls, whenever it's made through our CRM. So I try to take everything off of their plate that isn't selling cigars and helping their customers. Um, and that's reflected in their approach with the account. So previously, uh, if we had, say, an independent rep that didn't get along well with the with the retailer, or if we had a sales rep, an in-house guy that didn't get along well with the retailer, that was more often than not the majority of the reason why the account didn't carry the product or, or hasn't been behind the product. Um, 
Now, could they have had an experience like you, Matt, where they pick something up or we were given a sample that wasn't good? Absolutely. That could absolutely have happened. Um, but at the end of the day, we do so much to try to mitigate product problems and maintain quality control um, that uh, it's rarely that. It's almost always has to do with a person, if, to be totally honest. Yeah. Um, and it's and, and from that point, it's finding out if that problem is endemic to that retailer with the sales rep or if other retailers feel the same way. And then that's my job to to act on it and replace that person with somebody that serves the customers better. So um, that's it really comes down to us. It, it very rarely comes down to the product. Yeah. So you you uh, at the top of the show talked about, you know, being a multinational company. You guys are in the European market, and have you gotten into the Asian market at all? And tell us about the their international uh, branch of uh, what you guys are doing and how that's looking. Yeah, so we're so we're in thirty three different countries uh, all around the world on on most continents, um, and um, it's it's challenging because uh, the laws and the regulations, packaging, all those things, quantities, weights, and measures. Customs. Uh, by the time the cigar gets from the Dominican Republic uh, to to Miami to pay United States duties to another country to pay their duties, uh, a lot of the margin on the product gets deteriorated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in order to be competitive over there, you can either sell it at a very high price point, uh, where you're competing with Cuban cigars and other stuff that's established in that market, um, or you can eat shit a little bit and have your product be competitively priced and give yourself a chance out there for a volume play. And that's basically the approach that we've taken. So we make less money on all those 32 other countries um, than we do on just the United States. And it, it's because of the, the various requirements and things that we have to do to be compliant in those markets. Um, it's also a little different over there because they sell, we sell only to distributors. So we don't sell to individual stores. So whereas here in the United States, uh, I sell it to Matt's cigar shop. Uh, Matt puts it on the shelf and sells it and the sales rep supports it. Um, in Europe, I sell it to you know Matt and company and Matt has sales reps on the floor out there selling cigars. And uh, so we have very little impact on the sale after we sell it to the distributor. It's on it's their prerogative to get placements and move the product. Now, we do support them in the sense that like, that just this year, in, uh, this month, I was supposed to be in Germany and Spain for uh, several weeks uh, to do a, a tour soup to nuts of the whole, both, both countries. Um, so every year I tend to do, I go there, I go to Canada, I go to various places. Um, and, and do these uh, do these tours uh, to support the distributor. But at the end of the day, uh, finding a good distributor is the most important part of that international sales job. Is there a hot country? I think Germany, Germany is a really good cigar market, really good consumers. Um, it's, it's our best market outside of the United States. Um, so yeah, so Germany is really good. They're really cigar friendly there. Yeah. Um, and, and the culture is great. So that's that's one of my favorite places to travel. So is um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's either this year or next year that uh, Christoph celebrates 15 years. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So 
uh, is is there anything that um, that Christoph as a brand is doing to you know celebrate that fifteenth anniversary, or are you saving up something special maybe for the twentieth anniversary? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I don't think any of us have thought about it. Um, so yeah. that's probably something worth talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, we really haven't thought about that. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cigars out there that, you know, commemorate an envelope opening. So, um, I, there's no reason why we couldn't do something like for, anniversary. I think that'd be a cool little limited project to do. Yeah. Good idea. Checks in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and it's, it is true. There are, you know, and I have I have no problem with special releases for for big occasions, but you're I, th- I think you're right that sometimes um, companies can o- I think sometimes companies can overdo it, where you know there's a special edition for you know you know it's I, I don't want to use all right I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. I, It seems sometimes like participation trophies where, Ooh. you know, cigar companies release a special edition and there's this fanfare. And, and uh, again, I have no problem with it. I say you do you. Uh, and, and if it's a good cigar, I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to buy some and smoke them. It, mm-hmm. It's great. But um, I, I like the fact that you don't have to, um, you know, have a folder full of, ideas for you know celebrating you know your dog's graduation from obedience school and um yeah you know becky but it's really ridiculous her learner's permit it's really it, it, yeah yeah i i totally agree with you. it's like and there are some and i'll tell you off air but like there's some like there's one <laughs> line that comes there's one line that comes to mind it's an annual release that comes out every year and if you go to a shop you can still buy the previous three years version of that cigar. Right. You know, like it's, it just doesn't sell. Nobody cares because it's commemorating something nobody cares about. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's, uh, it's the culture of what's new, what's new, what's new that drives the cigar business mm-hmm. that, that leads companies to try to find a hill to die on every month. And uh, that's just not our way. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, 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 wait for the tobacco to talk to us and not to be too nerdy, but we wait to find a a project like with that HBA, that project uh, became the JT because we like the tobacco or the, or the vengeance because we like that broadly for, we bought some seven and a half year old Cameroon that we really, really loved and turned into our Cameroon project because we were able to buy a ton of it. So there's, there's stuff like that that drives our decision-making and it's a product first decision making. We don't look at the market and say, what do you what 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 can we sell these morons? <laughs> you know, like that's not our philosophy. It's, yeah. it's okay, we've got a great product that we can stand behind for another 15 years. Let's commercialize this. And and so as a result, we really haven't discontinued much or done done much like that. I mean, everything we make is a core line product that we stand behind. Yeah. Well, and and I like the fact that that you do, like you said, focus on the core line and kind of along that line, one of the things that I really appreciate about Christoph as a brand is the naming conventions for the lines are very, it makes it very easy for the consumer. Yep. Because 
sometimes even so even as guys like Garrett and I who are big time cigar nerds, you know, who dive really deeply into a lot of this shit, there are times that cigar names are kind of baffling, you know, because they you know, it, if the cigar name doesn't fit on a band, it sometimes it gets frustrating as a consumer just not knowing how to keep track of the heads or tails of what's out there. So when when a when a company comes along like like Christoph that has a an easy to understand naming convention and and you know the the colors of the bands and it's it's just easy to know what you're reaching for in a in a brick and mortar shop and so I appreciate that it was was that always the philosophy you know going going back to the beginning was keeping things simple for the consumer yeah like it's our philosophy behind almost everything. Like I said, it's quality, consistency, availability. That's our mantra. And at the end of the day, like I, Glenn was a, like I said, VP of marketing for a big bank. I worked in five, Fortune 500 retail as an executive selling, you know, Tide detergent to the elderly for, uh, you know, six uh, percent margin. So it's like, uh, I, uh, at Target, do you think that that's one of the places that I work? At Target, do you think that we were ever in a buyer's meeting and we we're like, okay, how do we confuse the fuck out of our customers right now? <laughs> With the, how do we how do we take a relatively simple apparatus and make it confusing for our our for the people that need to buy it? That conversation never happened. We tried to make it as easy as physically possible for you to make the purchases you decided to purchase, um, and that translated down to guest service. So you know, you walk into a store, where is blah? Here is blah. It says blah on it, and you go buy it. You know, mm-hmm. so if you go into a tobacconist and, and there are some really good, really uh, high performing tobacconists out there that have staff training and all this stuff. And then there are some t- t- uh, tobacco stores that are in and out that have, uh, you know, a different person every few months working behind the register that may not have that product knowledge. So if you're that person and you walk into a humidor and a customer says, I really like Corojo, you're going to be like, fuck. i don't know what corojo is and i don't know which one of these dead plants in a tube for ten dollars is a corojo so so we call our corojo the corojo or our maduro the maduro and could we call it the edition limitada number four grandfather edition yeah absolutely but it's stupid it's not it we're in a consumer packaged goods industry and it's like these companies are trying to confuse people. And also, have you met the people who buy cigars? Like, <laughs> I, like I no, I think all the time of myself or, or like my dad, right? My dad, huge cigar smoker, smart guy. My dad still says Olivia and Alex Bradley and all and Macanoodle and all that shit, and he's been smoking cigars for a million years, and he has a son who's a vice president of a, of a international cigar company. And I think of, can my dad go into the humidor and not feel like an idiot asking for a cigar that he wants to purchase? And with Kristoff, we want, that answer is always a yes. And with other lines, I never want you to be like, I, I like this cigar, but I, I don't really want to ask for it out loud because I'm pretty sure I can't say it. Like that yeah. just seems so mm-hmm. obvious to me. Bugs flew into my eyeball. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, so that's, that's our, that's our, and it's not like a revolutionary thing, you know, like nothing that I've talked about so far is like a revolutionary thing. 
and I always laugh about it because like uh, Tobacco Business Magazine did an article on me and it, the title was The Problem Solver. And I'm really not a problem solver at all. Um, like, I, we just call cigars what they are and try to sell them to as many people as want to buy them. So it's not really a big problem to solve, though. Well, and yeah, there, I, there's a difference between problem solving and problem avoiding. Mm-hmm. And you avoid those problems when you keep things simple for your consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not interested in creating problems that I'm not interested in solving. So it's it's uh, that's what I think a lot of companies do is they they over engineer a relatively simple product and make it unrecognizable to the retailer and to the consumer. Yeah. And the last thing that you want to do in a, in a in an industry like this is ostracize a consumer who is the lifeblood of the industry. You know, right. the guys that buy the cigars and go and support brick and mortar retailer stores. I don't have a business without them. You don't have a business without them. The brick and mortar retailer doesn't have a business without them. So how do we make them feel good about their purchase and instantly validated when a guy says he likes Maduro's and can go buy a cigar that's called a Maduro? Yeah, that's how you validate his purchases. He knows he's probably going to like, it, you know. Well, and Garrett and I have have a good friend. Every Wednesday night, we we have a group of guys that get together, and every single Wednesday night, this guy shows up with two Christoph Maduro Lanceros in in the breast pocket of his shirt. Every and that's all he smokes, mm-hmm. and he shows up every Wednesday night with two Maduro Lancero Christophs in his in his shirt pocket, and that's 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 his jam every yep. single week, week after week for for six years we've been doing this. When we went on a fishing trip uh, in Lake on Lake Michigan, uh, salmon fishing a few weeks ago, and he brought a box, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that's just his jam. Um, Can't teach good taste. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Um, that brings me to, you know, so, uh, artwork bands and boxes, where, where do you get involved in that process and how, how, how do you guys as a company, uh, go about design? Um, so we own a box making factory in the Dominican Republic, right across the street from our factory. So we have, uh, we have carte blanche over the boxes and stuff like that. And then. Uh, when it comes to the bands and packaging and stuff like that, again, uh, we want it to be simple. We want it to have the, the obviously we want it to say Kristoff, and then we want it to have the expression or the line uh, listed on it. Uh, but above, we want it to be clear and legible and easy to read and things like that. Um, my input is usually criticizing things. Um, so they show you the proof, which is in like a billion pixels, and you look at it and it looks beautiful, and then... Like we did it like with our San Andreas. It's a like a gold band, a gold band with a gold foil writing. Well, in a billion pixels, the differences in shade between those golds seems really pronounced and the contrast looks good. Um, once you print 250,000 bands and see them lined up on a cigar, now all of a sudden you just have a band that just looks like a gold puddle. But you can't <laughs> read anything. So there's so and then I'm like, did anyone want to do one first? <laughs> What are we doing, guys? Now I got 250,000 of these fucking things that I have to sell over the course of the year before we can have something smart. It just so there's stuff like that or like, you know, like we do like our box talkers that fold out on all of our boxes, mm-hmm. which I think is a really good idea, really important for branding. Um, and then we'll do, you know, it'll be a brown box talker with brown writing on. And it's like, who came up with this that has never had to buy something before? <laughs> because that had to have been the excuse. Like it, so 
there's most of my involvement is being critical of whatever decision ends up getting made. And so now, now we're, we're, we're much more involved uh, going forward on some of these packaging decisions. But by and large, I think our packaging is, is very good. Uh, I do too. And, and distinctive and consistent. And it stands out in a humidor. It really yeah. does. Yeah. You, um, the color of your boxes to the bands to, you know, the, the, the descriptors, um, it all stands out and it, and it looks good. It's sharp. It's clean. I like yeah, it. Yeah, that's what we go for. And so when you're sous viding, you're, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the, so one that I enjoy on a regular basis, just my personal palate, I, I'm a huge fan of Sumatra. So the Sumatra is, it's, it's one I enjoy all the time, almost weekly, because it just, it hits me. And, and it's, Sumatra is, you know, you, you know, from dealing with, with customers and reviewers and that kind of stuff that Sumatra can be tricky, um, just from a kind of consumer standpoint, but it's, it's just a blend that hits me in, in the right spot. I enjoy it and, and have it on a regular basis. Um, and then, I mean, you've all the way down the line, the great thing is, you know, from Criollo to Maduro to Cameroon, Sumatra, but then there's this break in the, in the, in the pattern, in the formula. And then we've got the pissed off Christoph. So, how, that's that. That was a project from the very beginning when I read about it on on sites like Coop and Half Wheel. When that when that project was coming out, I, I right away I was interested. For the main reason is that it kind of di- diverted from the formula. So what was the what was the idea behind that blend and that project? Um, so the name actually came from a consumer. Uh, okay. This guy named it. Ken Apple. Uh, and we met him in Alpharetta, Georgia at a multi-vendor event. And he's like, are you guys from Kristoff? And we're like, yeah. And he was like, uh, I've always wanted to meet you guys. I love Kristoff. I have the best name for you. And then he told us. And then like any good heavily heavy drinking cigar people, we forgot instantly. And uh, we were in <laughs> we were in the Cheers. Dominican Republic. Yeah, exactly. And we're, we're in the Dominican Republic uh, and we were drunk again. Uh, Glenn and I, and we're at a restaurant called Pedro's and, um, Glenn was like, what was that Apple guy talking about in Georgia? Do you remember? And we were like, oh, that's the pistol. And Glenn was like, let's do it. And so we made it in 10 count boxes. We didn't know how it was going to go. Um, we made it in 10 count boxes. We made it really strong with really uh, powerful tobacco. So like the San Andreas wrapper that's on it is not a San Andreas Maduro. It is a San Andreas natural and it's, you know, the, the tobacco, because it wasn't processed, put through the Maduro process, that nicotine wasn't able to, you know, kind of get out of the tobacco in the way that a, a more processed product would. So it's a really high nicotine blend. Um, it's got power. It, it's, and it's excellent. It's excellent, excellent. Cigar. And again, those are, uh, that's been really successful for us too. Well, and that's something else we've talked about before, and, and and a lot of people talk about it. It's one of those cigar myths that the Miss darker Nomer. the yeah. darker the wrapper, the stronger the cigar is, and that's one of those examples of, especially with San Andreas, because I've had some San Andreas blends before in the mm-hmm. past that are 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 the lighter shade of San Andreas, where it's more of that sort of uh, you know chestnut color instead of the dark chocolate color. 
though that San Andreas has so much more bite and yep. power than the than the Maduro because the longer you ferment that when it gets closer to that super dark chocolate Maduro color, a lot of that stuff dissipates out. And that that pissed off Christoph is because I, I mentioned already, I don't really get a lot of strength from, from cigars. But that cigar that cigar is it's it gives you that feeling in your chest up here like you just did a shot of whiskey. It's it's got that real strong depth to it. And um that that cigar is not messing around. No, no. And and I think like the strongest cigar that we make I think is probably our Corojo Limitada because that is for my palate that's a super strong tobacco. Corojo is is really really strong for for my palate and I think a lot of people say, oh, it's got to be La Hero Maduro or it's got to be this. It's probably the pissed off of the Corojo, I think, are probably our strongest blends because I think that tobacco. It's like the difference between like a raw onion on a sandwich and a caramelized onion on a sandwich. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, like the raw that's onion is great analogy. sharp and bitter and in your face, uh, whereas the caramelized onion is sweeter and richer and deeper and some more processed products. And that's the same with tobacco and also the same with coffee you know like a blonde mm-hmm. roast has more uh, caffeine than a, than a darker yep. roast uh so um yeah it's it's something it's a huge misnomer that people think a dark cigar is going to kick your ass you actually might like it more yeah yep. so if you go down all the core lines for your personal palate if you know that classic question, if you if you were stranded on a desert island and could only have a hundred boxes of of one Christoph, which one would it be for you? Uh, the Connecticut, our Connecticut. I mean, it would probably be the JT since I made it so that I liked it. Yeah. Um, but it, but um, if I had to pick from the Coraline stuff, probably the Connecticut. If I smoke like like you can see right here, like I have my three cigar lineup, it's a Connecticut, a Sumatra, and the JT. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my every night three cigar rotation. Yeah. So probably what, the Connecticut though. What Vitola is uh, the JT? What Vitolas do you have in the JT? Just the one. Just, Just the one. The box okay. press. Yep. It's a box press Toro. It's a six and a quarter by 54 or 56, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really uh, that one size that I like. It's just that that's what I liked. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's shift gears and move into uh, this week's smokabulary word. And as always, smokabulary is brought to you by AJ Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, AJ Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera AJ Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. Fernandez himself in order to ensure superior quality. The AJ Fernandez portfolio of premium cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer. Whether it's New World, Dias de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. Guys, this week's smokabulary word is beetle. Mm. It is a word that if any of us who have stored cigars for any length of time have ever had a tobacco beetle problem, it's a, it's a word that makes us sad. Uh, I'm, I've been very fortunate in the past. I had one beetle infestation 
Um, this was years ago when I still had a, it was a pretty large desktop humidor. It was a 300 count big sort of tabletop cabinet thing. And I pulled a cigar out of there one day and there was this little hole on the side of it. It was this perfectly round hole about the size of a, uh, a, a pin. And then I saw something move and I turned the cigar and there's this little critter crawling on the outside of my cigar. And I went, Oh shit, that's probably not good. So, um, and it turns out, yeah, I had a, I had a beetle issue mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I, fortunately I only lost like 18 cigars. So it could have been a lot worse. I got very lucky that I caught it early. Um, but yeah, they, they, they tore up about 18 cigars. There was this one corner in the bottom, in one bottom side of the humidor where I had quite a few singles stacked up and they were, uh, there was, once I lifted everything out of the way, there were, there was this little pile of, you know, look like just shaved, uh, dry tobacco down there. And, uh, about 18 cigars had little fine little pinholes all over them. Uh, and that, so that comes from, you got to store, we've talked about this a lot. You got to store your cigars properly. And it's not, it's not just the relative humidity in your humidor. Mm-hmm. It's the temperature. Mm-hmm. So those little, those little, uh, you know, just about every cigar you buy and you put in your humidor at home is possible that there could be the larva of those tobacco beetles in those leaves. And when they get, when, when they're stored above 72 Fahrenheit for an extended period of time, those larvae can hatch and those beetles eat their way out. Basically, that's how they, that's how they survive and grow. And it, it can ruin a stash of cigars in no time flat. So yep. um, first and foremost, store your cigars in a cool area of your home. Uh, keep it below 72 Fahrenheit. Uh, my humidor is downstairs and it's, pretty much 65 down there all the time. Uh, and for the most part, I've, so I've, you hear a lot about freezing your cigars and Jared, you can talk to this too. Uh, there's a lot of companies that freeze their cigars before they ship them to the States. Some companies freeze them in the States in their distribution facilities. Um, what, where do you, where do you guys stand on that as when it comes to, uh, uh, beetle mitigation. We do it all in the DR um, okay. at the factory, um, and not only do we do we uh, you know the when the tobacco is processed, um, it, it's frozen and everything, um, and then when it's aging, it doesn't age in a room temperature room. It ages in a room that has commercial refrigeration, um, and it sits there for months and months and months and. Um, while the tobacco comes together once it's already rolled and in a wheel. So um, that is how we mitigate the tobacco. We flash freeze and then we store it all at like below 60. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and we keep it like that until it gets crated up and shipped to the Miami where that's also in a climate controlled warehouse. And then by the time it gets to the retailer, um, the retailer also will have proper storage, uh, hopefully, um, and, and so it never makes it onto the consumer. So, but we've knock on everything. We've never had an issue with yeah. shipments coming in with beetles or anything like that. Yeah. Some it's, companies it, it, have it, been it, like killed 
by yeah, some, like, some companies have had massive infestations and it is i will say it's rare in the consumer market as far as you know consumers getting getting big infestations in their home humidors uh, but really the key is temperature control you know humidity is great and you got to keep them at, at at the right relative humidity but a lot of people overlook the temperature piece and it's really yep. important one unless yeah. you know if you're bringing cigars directly from cuba um, there's a much larger risk factor because they don't they don't do any of they the don't freezing. do any of that. Yeah. Um, but if you're buying a cigar, a Cuban cigar from um, you know Europe or China, they actually go through a flash freezing process, um, so that uh, that risk goes down. But really, Cubans are the bigger risk factor for tobacco beetles. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, you know. Uh, listening and, and watching the show, uh, pay attention to the temperature that you store those cigars at too. It's not just uh, not just humidity. Temperature is very important as well. Mm-hmm. And if you see a cigar with a little pinhole in it, uh, get that cigar out of there first and foremost, and then examine everything you've got in there. Clean your humidor out. Freeze them. Reseason it. Freeze your whole freeze your whole stash. So mm-hmm. let's say let's say you've got a, a fifty count desktop humidor, you've, and you find a beetle. Get everything out of there, and anything that you find a beetle hole in, discard that cigar. Anything that doesn't have a beetle hole in it, put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. And so this is this is my method. Do it, do it the way you want. Put it in the freezer for a week, and then take it out of the freezer and put it in the fridge for two days. Then take it out of the fridge for the better part of a day, and then put them back in your humidor. Make sure that your, your humidor is season properly before you put them in there. Uh, but you don't just want to take them straight out of the freezer and put them in your humidor. Just you have to slowly bring them back up to uh, room temperature. And ammonia for cleaning your humidor after a beetle infestation. That can help, yeah. I've heard people that just uh, give it a wipe down. Yeah, with... you're going to want to just rub the whole cigar in ammonia. Yeah, rub the whole... And then just put <laughs> yeah. it right back in there. Infuse it. And then it'll, there will be no in. germs. It'll be 100% mm. Yeah, COVID free. <laughs> yep. My this is not what you do. Don't no, don't do that. I, I'm gonna get emails. <laughs> he told me to do this. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. He said. Don't do that. So that is this week's vocabulary word. And now it is time for Numero de los Muertos. All right, guys, this week's Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Oveja Negra Brands. They bring you premium smoking experiences forged from tobacco, time, and talent, comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissonant, and Emilio. Oveja Negra Brands provide smokers uncompromising blends renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit OvejaNegraCigars.com to learn more. All right, guys, if, uh, if you're new to the show, um, and for Jared, what we do is we give out a number. And um, between uh, our guest and Matt and uh, the uh, people watching, you try and guess how these people died. So here it is. And try to stay away from the Google foo. Use your brain power. Yeah. Let's Don't use, rely on the Googles for this one. Let's use some juice. All right, we've got the number of 259, and I will give you uh, 
the study was done between 2011 and 2017 are the years we're working with that 259 people died of this over 33,000 people were injured doing this 259 people died all right is this a number globally this is a global number okay so 2014 to 2017 2011 to 2017 2011 to 2017 mm-hmm. 259 people globally died and 33,000 were injured mm-hmm. all right as always viewers leave guesses in the comments jared what are your first thoughts shit so do i get to i get to ask questions well you normally would however we've got a uh did we get a we got a, did our, we get a right answer? We did right away. First oh, that's answer, home cooking. That's home cooking it? right there. I don't like that. Is it right here? Yeah, it is. I'm gonna put it up on screen. John taking a selfie. Wait a hold on. Hold hold on. Two hundred and fifty nine people every year die taking a selfie. Taking a selfie. No, 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 not a year. Just total. Oh, between, not, not a year. Between 2011 and 2017. 2017. 259 people died. What? Yep. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. People are pretty dumb <laughs> when they're taking, when they're taking, like they said, they, they put it all on the line for the picture. Everything for the gram. It these is. Cliff people or these cliff yoga people. Yeah. Like, yeah it's just not, it's crazy. Like yep. we get it, all right. Like you're flexible. <laughs> you just tell. You just you can just tell me. I don't care. Yeah. And the uh, and the parkour. And the parkour. Yeah. yeah. Hard, hard, hardcore parkour. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a quick. Uh, that was the fastest answer ever. Yeah, John. Good job, John. Yeah, well done. Normally we uh, we drag it on a little bit with uh, hints and clues and. Uh, John ruins our fun. <laughs> Thanks, John. No, that was a great no, answer. Love it. Thanks, John. <laughs> so, so I get. I guess the moral of the story is, um, well, first, the safest way, you know, the 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 safest way to take a selfie is uh, what do they say? This the safest uh, method is abstinence. <laughs> so don't take selfies. Yes, but. If you have to take a selfie, practice safe selfie. Yep. And examine your surroundings before you start making the duck face and the upside down peace sign into your phone. Well, and the other, you know, so I guess a large part of that statistic was not only the cliff people and the, you know, all of that. It's actually people driving. All right. I have no sympathy. I'm sorry. No sympathy. Driving and taking a selfie. Yeah, somebody else said uh, walking and texting. Right. Like, that's the same. It's the same. It thing. is. It's the yeah. same thing. It's not paying attention to your surroundings. And then you, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. <laughs> it's it's uh, 100%. You want to take a picture of it. Like, oh, God, nobody's ever going to believe you were driving your car <laughs> as, an, as an adult. You better document it. Yeah. It's so dumb. Just don't do it. Nobody even cares. <laughs> take a picture of food like the rest of us. Yeah, thank or you. a cigar or something. Thank you. People, take, take people, can, engage, people can engage with. Take a picture of that beautifully sous vide steak. Yep. 
Yes. Perfect leave, every time. Leave, leave minimal effort. alone. Yeah. 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 Well, that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. That was a good one. That, that was. was. A, yeah. Don't, don't, take, don't take selfies. I mean, take selfies, but just, I mean, just don't stationary. be. Stationary. Don't be a dick. Stationary, not not stationary motor stuff. vehicle. Yeah. All right. So, Jared, these are this is the lightning round. These are some non-cigar related questions. If you could choose to hear the thoughts of one living person for ten minutes, who would it be and why? If I could choose to hear the thoughts of one living person, um. Wow, that's an interesting one. It's usually like, who would you want to have dinner with if they were dead or some variation of that? Um, let me think. I, I'm sorry about the wind. It's, no, that's all right. Um, um, if I could choose to hear the thoughts. I think I would save that for like when somebody did something particularly dumb in front of me. And I asked them, what was, why did you do that? And I would want to hear their thoughts. Like their actual thoughts about, I would save it for for it to be petty. For sure, <laughs> I love it. That's a great answer because we we always get you know this these somebody names a specific person, but I like the idea of of any given moment. Like, let's say you you get uh, you know you get a special token that you're allowed to use once, and you see somebody, even somebody that you know that just does something absolutely just off the wall stupid mm-hmm. and you just want to hand them that token and just beam in and say okay what were you th-? And, and in a lot of cases probably what you hear you remember that simpsons episode where you could hear the dog's thoughts and all the yep. dog was thinking mm-hmm. was blah 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 and i bet a lot of times that's probably all you would hear in somebody's thoughts yeah because i get in an argument every day every day my sales my sales staff and some of them are on this and also my my fiance said uh they always say that i'm like larry david from curb your enthusiasm because (laughs) i refuse to let stupidity just exist around me so i will i get an argument at dunkin donuts at 8 a.m i get an argument Anytime somebody I feel wrongs me in some sort of way, I have to confront them. I have to confront them. And now it's there's a really fine line between Larry David and this Karen thing that's going yes. around the internet. Oh, yeah. so I really oh, yeah. I really want to make sure I dance around that. I'm not a manager asker. I'm a sort of who hurt you? How did you how did you how did we get here where like my, my most, so this is my most recent example. I'll tell you if we have time. So we have all the time. Okay. We have, we have all, we have all the time. I'm going to die on this. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. We, we, uh, so I, for one of our cars that we have, um, I needed a new tire. My, my, my tire went flat. I called the magic Ranger people that are supposed to come and pick it up from the dealership. They picked it up, um, patched it, and then brought it back to me. Well, in my ride to a different place, it went flat again. <laughs> and so I called them, and I said, hey, my tire just went flat. The, the plug didn't take. Can you please send somebody? So instead of sending somebody with, like, a 
tow truck or a, a flatbed truck or whatever it is, they sent a kid with a compressor in a rental vehicle. <laughs> they said, you can have the, no, this is real. This really happened to me. And they said, you can have the rental vehicle and he's going to pump up the tire and drive it back to the dealership. And I said, well, the tires are full of, of nitrogen. And in this exact drive that you're about to do, it went flat. So I don't think it's going to go. I don't think it's going to go flat slower on your drive now that the plug is already broken. So what I think is going to happen and I'm talking and again, I'm talking way above the head of the person who's standing in a parking lot holding a compressor staring at me with his mouth open. People who stand around with their mouth open, number one side of stupidity. Um, he and he's standing there with his mouth open and I'm saying it already went flat on this exact drive from the dealership to the place that I currently am. So you're going to have a bad time and then you're going to drive it on my wheel and you're going to dent my rim and then I'm going to be screwed. And they're like, the, well, I'm just the compressor guy. So I don't know what I do. <laughs> and so I'm like, whatever. I'm like, whatever. It's your funeral, man. So he takes my car and they call me an hour later and say, uh, Mr. Trudeau, terrible news. Um, the tire can no longer be patched because your rim is dented. And I said, well, what happened about 30 minutes ago when it wasn't dented and you said you could patch it? What's happened between now and then? And he's like, well, I mean, the car was driven. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah, it was. You know who drove it? <laughs> your stupid mouth open your stupid mouth open compressor kid. He drove it. And I told him he was going to dent my rim. And that's exactly what happened. So they said, well, regardless of all of that, you need a new tire. So I said, okay, how much is a tire? So they said the tire was $600 for one tire, <laughs> one tire to drive on. So I said, send me the part number. So he sent me the part number. I copy into my internet machine. It spits out infinity.com, which is where the car is currently. And it said uh, infinity.com, and it was half the price. It was $299. So I get back on the phone with this guy, and I text him a screenshot, and I say, how about this instead? And he says, I'm sorry, sir, we don't price match online. And I said, sir, you're, this is you. This is who you this are. This is you. This is infinity.com. This is infinity.com. I didn't go to Tire. It's your website. So how about I just order it and send it to you? And he says, well, you can't do that either because we'll charge you a fee. And I'm like, am I on fucking Pluto right now? How are you? What do you mean? What do you mean you won't price match yourself? You're telling me you're not going to order the tire from the same place that this tire is coming from? I'm like, just do it. And they finally, I was unpleasant enough. And so they did it. So then I get the car back. I get the car back and they say, sir, just to let you know, the, the rim is dented. The tire was able to. And I said, that's because mouth breathe guy <laughs> drove it. I'm like, but whatever, like, is the tire fine? You say, yeah, the tire's fine. The tire isn't really super dent. So I'm sitting at home and I, and I, I, this, no, before I get home, I'm at the dealership, I'm talking to them. And so they, I was like, I just want to get a refund on the plug. That wasn't a plug because it never plugged my tire. Yeah. And they say, sir, we already price matched the tire. What more do you want from us? I'm like, but the, th the plug 
wasn't a plug. I paid for a plug. That's like if I if if that's like if I paid for a sandwich and I just watched you eat it. Like, what are you talking about? It wasn't the thing that you told me it was. So he's like, no, it's like I'm like, why is this mutually exclusive? Why are we talking about this? I'm like, give me Infinity. I want Mister Infinity. Come get him. I'm going to learn how to speak Japanese and I'm going to go there to argue about this because I will die on this hill. I'll spend my whole day in this dealership. I really don't care. And so finally, finally, I get a manager and the manager's like, I don't know what these people are talking about. That's crazy. And so I drive home and I get home and everything's fine. My tire works. Everything's fine. And I'm stewing. I'm like stewing over the fact that I had to go in there like Oliver Twist. And sing for my and sing for my supper to get a thirty-five dollar plug refunded, like I'm a broke boy when I pull in with a freaking seventy thousand dollar car, asking for my tire to not to be a tire again. And so, and so, I'm sitting there stewing. So I call the general manager of the dealership, and this is a little carony, I admit. And I'm like, you're everyone is stupid that you employ. Every person, every person is stupid, and I want to tell you why. So you should call me. And she called me, and she was laughing. That's exactly what the message was. And and she like, there's not, I'm not exaggerating. And so she called me laughing, and she's like, Mr. Trudeau, I'm very interested in having this conversation with you. Please <laughs> tell me what happened. I tell her what happened. She refunded me the tire and the cost of the rim. And said, we hope we can keep your business. And I said, well, it's good that there's one smart person at this deal. <laughs> who, which has customer services, our only priority on the thing. Yeah. And you hear me, uh, I'm like, please, sir, may I have my $35 for my tire that wasn't a tire? Like, uh, and so I will die. And Marissa's like, where were you for eight hours? I'm like, I was screaming at infinity for eight straight hours like i i mean i i think i have pneumonia now because there's fluid in my lungs because i've been screaming at these people for so fucking long because it drives it drives me insane i will not tolerate this gross incompetence around me and that happens and i could get marissa on this call right now that happens every day it, every every day i find some perceived slight and it is a character flaw i will admit it but i'm sure there are some of my sales reps in this call right now who will have some who would have something to say about that because it is absolutely the case yeah somebody said earlier that they wish uh the your uh, road trips <clears throat> would be turned into podcasts oh they're bad yeah they they can get bad because i i've got very i'm very particular Oh yeah, Jonathan. Oh, he's had some tough times. He's had some tough times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of some stuff that that happened with me and Jonathan, but I, I really, I really, really can't. Oh, Bill. I, Bill says can confirm. I start seventy percent. <laughs> Bill does instigate a lot of these. Bill does instigate a lot of these. That's true. That's true. But it does well, happen, and it happens every day, everywhere. For for my uh, for my family and I, I, I always default to, and not with my kids or anything, we actually use it as a sort of inside joke in our family, but we go back to the, uh, the in one episode of The Office, Michael Scott looks at somebody and just with this deadpan look on his face says, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Toby. 
that's that was Toby. Everything yeah. that we now when we encounter somebody like this, you know, the the mouth breathing air compressor guy or whoever it is you might encounter in, in some in, interaction on a daily basis, we just why are you the way that you are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's that's that's perfect. That's the perfect characterization of it. Because I I truly do not understand uh what is going through some of these people's heads. Like uh, who ties your shoes in the morning? Yeah. Like what ha, how do you have a license? It's crazy to me. Where is your helmet? Allowed. Where yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, next question. If you were about to That was get, that was only the first yeah, one. That was only the first. Uh, oh, wow. This is lightning round. If you were about to get into a fight, what soundtrack music would come on? Probably something weird. Probably something weird to make people like uh, Tiny Tim tiptoe through the tulips or something. <laughs> something just really off-putting so that uh, that people don't want to do that. Some, something that is something <clears throat> that is purely not fight music, just to throw no. people off their rhythm. No, it's not like I the tiger or something it's something really unusual you know like the darkness i believe in a thing called love or something like that like something really unusual that's really Lin- linda ronstadt yeah 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 <laughs> exactly yeah 99 loop balloons <laughs> all right so something like that choose choose one of the following you could hit a home run as a starting pitcher you could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie, or you could score a goal in a soccer game as the goalie. Uh, home run as a starting pitcher. Wow! Yeah, because they're the rich. They're the richest starting pitchers are the richest out of all of them. So I'd want to be them. That's probably. true. And I think hitting a major league fastball is probably the hardest thing to do in sports. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, some of those, some of those breakdown videos that you see on YouTube sometimes of how fast your reaction time actually has to be Mm -hmm. to make, even even to make contact, even, even to pop it up into the, into the stands behind you, even to make contact with a major league fastball is, it's mind boggling. Yep. So, all right. So, kind of back to slightly cigar related. Well, mostly cigar related. If you could give one piece of advice to a brand new premium cigar consumer, what would it be? Um, it would be tr- try try everything. I think um, because. You're much like almost anything else. You don't really know what you like until you know what you don't like. Mm-hmm. So if you smoke, uh, if you smoke a Connecticut and you don't like it, try somebody else's Connecticut because it's different and it could be better. It could hit your profile, and and it that would be my just try every try everything, and and also like don't listen to your buddies, um, like yeah, you're they're different people. They have different palates. They have different associations with brands. Mm-hmm. Hands and stuff like that. Like I always laugh at the guys uh, that are like, "Oh, I only smoke Cubans," or "Oh, I only smoke this brand," or "I only smoke that brand," and then they know all of the talking points for that brand. And it's like that is like marketing. That's like yeah. what you want. You want these. 
evangelist guys who love your brand and know more about your brand than any other brand, but you don't want that to exist in a vacuum. You know what I mean? Like you want them to know about other brands and then still pick your brand over them because they like it because they like something you do or the people that you are something like that. Because so I, I would say, don't listen to your buddies. They don't know what's best for you. And you know that if they're your friends, that they really <laughs> don't know what's best for you because they don't probably don't know what's best for them. And then uh, try, try everything. Oh, that's good. Um, so we're going to talk about this week's notable smokable. Uh, so Jared, we didn't mention this before we went on air, but Every week, Garrett and I talk about a cigar that we smoked over the last week or so that was interesting to us. It could be something that's been on the market for 20 years. It could be something that's brand new, just something we smoked that uh, was interesting to us. So for you, obviously, with Christoph, you smoke the majority of your you know time with Christoph products. But is there something outside of the Christoph portfolio that you smoked recently that that you thought, hey, this was kind of this was kind of good, or something that uh, you know it's a it's an old time favorite that's been been around forever that you revisited for the first time in a long time? Yeah. So one of my buddies uh, is like a nationally touring stand up comedian, and he actually stayed at my house last. And he's a big cigar guy. Um, and he gave me a Viaje Super Shot mm-hmm. Corojo. Like they're like these little tiny like shotgun shell size cigars. Yeah. Um, and it was a Corojo. And it was it was so strong. It was it was really good. Um, and that I, it was just last night. I smoked it. The butt is right there. Like, uh, nice. so, yeah, I, I don't often because I'm not tra- when I'm traveling, I make it a habit to go into a cigar shop and say what's selling really well or what do you really like or what's new or what do people really like? And then I'll buy it from the shop and support them and then try it. Yeah. Um, but uh, because I haven't been traveling, I haven't been exposed to a lot of new stuff. Yep. So it was really cool. He always comes over and he'll smoke her stuff, but he'll bring me uh, something that I probably haven't tried or something he's got in his travels or something. So that was really cool. That would be super shot. It was okay. good. Um, so mine this week is the, uh, it's this uh, Tatuaje cigar that they sell at events. Um, the pork tenderloin mm. comes in the white paper. It's uh, unbanned. It's really good. And uh, I, I bought some a couple of years ago and forgot that I had them. I, I had a couple left, and I grabbed one uh, out of the humidor and smoked it last week. And, you know, those things really, uh, they're, they're good when, they're, when you buy them, but they, they age well, too, um, because there's a lot of depth in the blend, so it doesn't really... You know, even after a couple of years, it really didn't lose any of its, uh, you know, gusto. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, still very good cigar. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, mine was also a Tatawahe. It was the uh, 2020 TAA. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that it was a very special cigar. Very good. And um, for a Tatawahe, it was smooth. And it's not a punch you in your face um, yeah. cigar. It was just... It was butter. Yeah, nice. So uh, for our viewers and listeners, just to give you guys an idea of some stuff we have coming up uh, to let you know, a week from tonight, we're already into July. I can't believe we're already into July. But a week from tonight, July 7th, we're going to talk to Claudio Scroy from Mambacho Cigars. Mm -hmm. So we'll uh, have the info up about that on our Facebook page ASAP. So pay attention to next week's show as well. Uh, Jared, give our viewers and listeners uh, kind of a final idea. Where is the best place for them to keep up with all the latest info from Christoph? 
So uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Christoph underscore underscore. Let's take a moment of silence for that attempt <laughs> at that sentence. Uh, Christoph yep. underscore cigars. Um, and on Twitter, it's the same thing. Christoph underscore cigars. And then on Facebook, Christoph cigars, obviously. And then my stuff is I'm Jared Christoph cigars on uh, Instagram and uh, Christoph Jared Trudeau on uh, Facebook. So uh, that's a good place to start. And uh, please like, subscribe, do all the stuff that uh, uh, you're supposed to do. And uh, we'll keep you posted and you can stay in touch with us. And again, like I said earlier, if anybody has any questions about getting our cigars at a local retailer or something like that, feel free to add me on Facebook and message me and reach out. I'd be glad to help. Awesome. Well, Jared, we had a blast tonight. Man. This was honestly one of the most fun shows we've had yeah. in a long time. It was it was a great time. We hope you had fun tonight, and we appreciate Absolutely. you. Sure thing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. All right. Well, guys, we had a great time tonight. As always, if you have any questions, you can email us directly on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. You can also sign up for the email list. So anytime we publish anything new, you'll get a quick alert in your inbox about that. And until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Take care, guys. Thanks, Thanks you guys.